This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Gabby, we have finally made it to game week. The Miami Bowl is on deck Friday night, 7 p.m. kick, ACC Network on television. Um, So we're going to start here talking about real football games. I think in this podcast, Gabby, rather than just go all in on previewing the Miami of Ohio Redhawks, we'll do that in a podcast later in the week. Um, So in this podcast, number one, I want to touch on the Tyler Van Dyke thumb injury situation, just our understanding of all that stuff. And then number two, I just want to go into depth chart, kind of going into the season, uh, you know, Miami. And again, a lot of programs do this. Miami's not going to release a depth chart uh, during game week. They might give you one that's, you know, not very meaningful on game day in the press box. But I think it, it'd be nice for us to have a position by position conversation, what we've learned from fall camp maybe what we kind of expect moving forward, things to watch out for at each position group. Then we're going to give our final regular season record prediction for this team. And we'll wrap it up with some recruiting talk specifically around five-star defensive tackle, David Stone. So Gabby, let's hop into it. Um, Tyler Van Dyke, he is or was dealing with a thumb deal. Uh, my understanding. So I heard about this early last week. Um, I forget if it was Monday or Tuesday of last week, but what I was told was uh, he banged his thumb on a helmet of a defensive lineman during his follow through. Um, And I think when it first happened, it swelled up pretty bad and there was some fear that it could be a couple of week type of deal but x-rays and testing and all that came back negative. So at that point, it just, it, it became about getting the swelling down, getting the soreness out and making sure that he was good to go for game one. I think here in the last couple of days, he's practiced, you know, pretty fully. Uh, I think he's thrown it around pretty well too. Um, and so you know, I think it's something worth knowing and monitoring maybe, but I know for me, I don't necessarily expect it to impact his performance on Friday night. So that's kind of what I know about the thumb deal. Anything else you want to add to that? 
Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think I mean, I think you covered a lot of it. Uh, obviously, you've been more on it than I have. Uh, but just again, from my perspective, David, David, when you first kind of passed that information along to me, uh, you know, kind of started asking around. And I originally just kind of got the sense that they weren't super worried about it. Um, you know, that, you know, just as people close to Tyler that, you know, they weren't super concerned. And then, you know, when reports kind of surfaced, uh, I guess it was Sunday. Was it Sunday? Sunday. Saturday, Sunday. Yep. Um, you know, I was immediately told that he was fine and good to go and that he was gonna, that he was like, he was gonna play like Tyler Van Dyke is in the Mario Cristobal, you know, kind of re reignited that, or I guess, you know, reinvigorated that on Monday. Uh, during his press conference when he said that Tyler was ready to roll and that he'd been a full participant. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't think that, again, from my perspective, at least, it didn't seem like too many people were concerned that it was going to be something that he was going to be dealing with that would potentially keep him out of that first game, thankfully. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later. And the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. Yeah, so let's transition now into depth chart talk um, and we'll start at quarterback. So quarterback obviously Tyler Van Dyke is the starter that's kind of unquestioned right now going into the season but I will say this you know the the Tyler Van Dyke thumb thing kind of exposed the plan I think at backup quarterback from and let me just explain how things are from my understanding Gabby and we can have a conversation about it after that so let me say this on the front end. I do think Miami likes both Jakari Brown and Emery Williams. And I think their approach in general with this backup quarterback situation is to keep the competition going and to keep both the players, you know, on edge, so to speak. So they don't want either guy to be comfortable. So with that, with that being said, my, my understanding is that they kind of want to have a, Jakari Brown package in four select games. I don't know if those games have been determined yet or, or whatever the case may be with that, but they want to let him play in four games, um, which of course would maintain his redshirt status for this year. That redshirt had to be burned last year uh, when he was thrown into the mix with their quarterback situation last year. So 
he's going to get an opportunity to get some looks in those packages. Um, but with that being said, my understanding, Gabby, is that if Tyler goes down with some sort of serious injury, uh, I think Emery Williams would be the first guy in. Uh, I think, number one, they, they like the way he's performed since arriving. Number two, I think they view it as kind of just a smoother transition if they have to go to the backup quarterback. You know, Tyler Van Dyke's skill set and Emery's skill set are fairly comparable. Um, and so I think that's why that would be the case. If a serious injury happens, I wouldn't be surprised if Emery's the first guy to go in and show what he can do. And look, at the end of the day, to me, this is just about competition, keeping competition going, keeping both guys on edge. Emery, you know, prepare like you're the starter. Jakari, master your package, keep improving your skills too. And at the end of the day, whoever gets opportunities to play in games this year, you got to go out and perform. Um, and, and, you know, to me, this is just another situation where it's like, okay, how do you approach uh, this, this situation? And the cream will rise to the top. So that's my understanding about how backup quarterback is looking right now, Gabby. Yeah, and I think that makes sense for, you know, again, all the reasons that you said with Emery and just the 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 just the style of play, it would be a lot easier for Miami uh to go to Emery if it was something long term, just because you wouldn't have to necessarily just really change it up. Because if you go to Jakar, you're changing it up for everyone, right? Like you're changing basically yeah. the whole offensive approach. So I think Emery Williams maintains the same level of, you know, like the same language, the same just really just mentality and philosophy that I think Shannon Dawson was brought in to run. So, yeah, you know, and, and, and to Emery's credit, I think that they would even go that route because he has kind of answered the call. Yeah, he's yeah. he's done what he's been asked to do in his role. And uh, I mean, look, you talk to people around the program right now and Emery Williams is a name that they're kind of beating their chest on, you know, like they're just like, you know, we rolled the dice on an evaluation that we liked. Uh, you know, credit to Frank Ponce, uh, the former offensive coordinator, because, uh, you know, he was the guy that I think brought him to the light and I think pounded the table for him. And I think, uh, you know, everyone's kind of on board now with Emery Williams and sees how he can kind of, again, we've talked about it before, potentially be the quarterback of the future for Miami. So, uh, you know, I think, again, I think he's doing all the right things and he's performed at a level where, uh, you know, he has earned that opportunity at while at the same time, Jakari is in, in, in is, is a high level athlete who they, who is a weapon who can be utilized in a bunch of different ways and can absolutely earn a role should they have to go to that, uh, you know, situation or should something happen to Tyler Van Dyke long term. Um, but I think, again, I think the ideal plan is to find a way to. Uh, keep or get Jakari Brown that red shirt and uh, you know because I think he needs it just big picture wise and Emery needs it too but uh, again I think Emery's transition would probably be a little bit smoother just because of the way the offense is kind of being ran right now and I wouldn't read this like long term wise as the staff writing off Jakari I yeah, don't think sure. that's the case at all I think ideally for both quarterbacks the situation would be Tyler Van Dyke go out and perform at a high level go out and produce so that and stay healthy, of course, have good injury luck and, uh, you know, let those guys develop 
kind of behind the scenes, so to speak. So, but that's my understanding about backup. Running back. For me, Gabby, I kind of think there's a three-back rotation that has separated themselves, and that would be Henry Parrish, A.J. Allen, the Nebraska transfer, and true freshman Mark Fletcher. I think you could see, too, some Don Chaney sprinkled in, but I do expect those three to kind of separate themselves from Don uh, from Don during the course of the season. And in terms of, like, the start of the season, I kind of think – this is just me guessing. Like, I don't know anything. But I kind of expect Henry Parrish to start just because he's the returning starter, and he was solid last year. Nothing special but solid. But ultimately, I think this position group comes down to – hot hand and comes down to performance. And so with that in mind, I expect AJ Allen and Mark Fletcher to emerge as the top two backs with Henry Parrish kind of being that third back that plays plenty, has a role, um, particularly as a pass catcher. But I think AJ Allen and Mark Fletcher will emerge as a top two as the season progresses. Yeah, honestly, I th- I think that's kind of the expectation. I think uh, when they went out and got both those guys, you know, they they brought them in to be difference makers. And AJ Allen, I mean, from the moment he got here, he's been kind of impressing the people around him. Uh, same goes for Mark Fletcher. I mean, I was, I mean, I heard, again not putting this on Mark Fletcher, but like not saying he needs to do this, but like uh, all I know is that you know people expect Mark Fletcher to have a very impactful. Uh, first, you know, game on Friday night. I mean, they uh, Mark Fletcher is going to get a number of opportunities uh, to carry the rock. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, again, just just puts up big numbers. I, I think they're going to give him the opportunity to do so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think A.J. Allen is going to be the is going to be the guy in, in the mix with him, mostly with, you know, Henry Parrish. Again, like you said, especially early on in the season, getting plenty of opportunities, maybe a small dose of Don Chaney. But, you know, again, right now going into Friday, I absolutely expect uh, Parrish, A.J. Allen, and Mark Fletcher to be the top three guys for sure. Ultimately, it's going to come down to performance, and that goes for Don Chaney too. So Don's going to get opportunities. Uh, He just has to go out and make the most of them when those opportunities come. So you do that, you're going to play more. It's pretty cut and dry at the running back position. I'd say, honestly, too, Gabby, at wide receiver, it's pretty cut and dry for me going into the season. I do think the top three – is established with Colby Young, Jacoby George, Xavier Restrepo. Um, But I do think at the end of the day, everyone kind of recognizes there's a difference, especially with this group. Like people kind of know, like, not that they don't trust it, but just there's a difference between practice and games, performing in games. And I think at the end of the day, they want to see those top three make plays in games. We've kind of seen it from Colby Young. We've seen it a little bit from Xavier and, and, you know, we've seen like a flash from Jacoby George uh, in that Duke game 2021, but they just got to see it more consistently. And I do feel like the staff or internally, they, they have a sense of the depth of this group being better, which gives them the option of, Hey, if those top three guys aren't making plays, aren't getting the job done, they can plug in and try and find some solutions uh, with, and these guys are going to get rotated in no matter what. So don't get me wrong, but like Tyler Harrell, Ray, Ray Joseph, Brashard Smith, Isaiah Horton, Shamar Kirk. I feel like all those guys 
specifically in the first month of the season, will get some opportunity to show what they can do. And again, as we were saying with the running back spot, what do you do when you get those opportunities? Um, so like with Ray Ray Joseph, if he gets in there and makes a huge play, his role's only going to grow. And, you know, he's probably going to cut into Xavier Restrepo's playing time. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference with the wide receiver group year over year is they feel like if the performance isn't up to the level that they want it from those starting three, they feel like they have enough depth depth pieces to maybe try and find some solutions. Yeah, and I'm I'm extremely curious to see how that kind of plays out because like I I don't know, I don't know about you David, but like I feel like I can totally see a situation where, you know, what we expect the top 3 to look like like ends right. up maybe not being the top 3 because Agreed. of because of that game performance and what those guys do when the lights are on because you know, we haven't seen, I, I like, for example, like a, a guy like Tyler Harrell, like maybe over the course of camp, uh, you know, he's kind of been backing up Jacoby George. But what if, you know, again, light, you know, on, on a Friday night, Hard Rock Stadium, Tyler Harrell just, you know, kind of starts stacking a couple of those explosives that we've come to know him at. Like, you know, gets to the point where right. his speed could be tough to take off the field if he can do all the other things right. And I think Ray Ray Joseph is an excellent example of a guy who, I mean, when, when it's time to play, I mean, Ray Ray Joseph's one of the most right. electric guys I've seen, you know, just when it's in it, when it's a game setting in practice, he's always been good too, at, even at the high school level. But I feel like when the game's on, I mean, he's that type of dude that that elevates. And even a guy like Isaiah Horton, like, again, like, I'm not saying he's going to dethrone Colby Young, but I think he's someone that can, you know, that can play. And I think he's someone that they're excited about too. And even going back into Brashard and uh, even a Schmark Kirk, like I'm wondering if any of these guys can capitalize on an opportunity and again, maybe not take a role, but just maybe just ch- take a chunk into just the overall numbers and make it so they have to rotate some of these, these guys out a little bit more. I'm very, very interested to see how the wide receiver rotation ends up playing out and who kind of steps up. Tight end. I think Elijah Royal was dealing with a hamstring deal. We've talked about that here on the podcast. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be a go on Friday. Um, I think internally they love his potential and what he can potentially bring uh, as a athletic uh, playmaker in the passing game with a guy that brings enough physicality in the run game. You know, having tight ends like that makes you a lot more multiple and versatile as an offense. And so they would love for him to be full go, ready to contribute. The Cam McCormick, the Oregon transfer, clearly number two. He brings that blocking physicality element um, that they feel like was missing last year on the light of scrimmage in general. And I think the sense is there that he can be a difference maker in short yardage and in the red zone, which were two areas of concern last year. Uh, beyond that, I think I'm in kind of just wait and see mode, Gabby, in terms of other players emerging. Personally, this is just me speaking. I have my eye on Riley Williams. So if I'm going to talk about a guy outside of those two, I would highlight Riley Williams, the freshman. Uh, but I don't think that's, I, I think that would be like a second half of the season type of situation. Yeah. And and I think that there are people just along those lines, David, with Riley. Like I think people are looking at that second half of the season. And, and I think that's when he's going to get an opportunity to kind of come around and really get a chance to, to kind of immerse himself into that rotation because I think I think I mean they think Riley Williams has opportunity has the chance the potential to be better than anyone that's currently in the room right now like they think that they think he is that good 
So it just depends how quickly he's going to kind of come along. And I think that just comes with time. You know, I think it just comes with time. He's a guy that's been here since January. They love him. But, you know, Elijah he's been wrote, hurt too. Yeah, he's like, been hurt. He's been dealing with some stuff. I think he also had a, a hamstring uh, deal that he's kind of been working on. And, um, you know, I think it's all lower body stuff. But still, I, I think he's going to be fine, too. And I think he's going to be ready to go um, whenever it is that they're kind of ready to let him loose and Look, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Riley kind of get opportunities here over the course of the year. And yeah, I think Elijah is still the guy that they feel like is is a like the diff is a different type of dude. Uh, again, I, we haven't it's, we haven't seen it a ton. Uh, you know, he was ranked high coming out of high school. You know, amongst the tight end group, and I, I do think Miami sees uh, you know great great things in him, and that he has a, a very unique and. An impactful skill set. So if he's healthy and he's ready to go, I know Miami's going to let him loose because uh, they definitely want that type of weapon in that offense. Offensive line, you know, the starting five has been set since basically the the third practice of spring when they elevated Francis to the first team, right? So again, left to right, it's going to look like Jalen Rivers, JV and Cohen, Matt Lee, Inez Cooper, Francis Maui Noah. Um, just some things I've heard about fall camp. You know, I, I hear some good things about JV and Cohen and the physicality he showed uh, during camp. You know, the word coming out of Alabama on him was that he wasn't a physical guy. He's, he's shown the opposite of that. He has shown physicality at Miami during fall camp. So we will see how that plays out in games at Miami. And in general, Gabby, there is a confidence that this group, the starting five, will win the line of scrimmage battle in the run game in the vast majority of the games this year. And just speaking through the lens of the Miami of Ohio game this week, I think it's going to be a decent barometer test uh, in, in that narrative that they have internally about we feel like we can run the ball at will against most of our opponents. Uh, because Miami of Ohio, yes, they're a group of five team, but they do, uh, you know, generally perform well against the run as a defense. And so, again, we're getting into Miami Ohio talk. But if you can't run the ball this week against Miami of Ohio, to me, that's a bad sign. So let's see how that goes. Um, but I, I like this group a lot. To me, Gabby, I'll I'll let you speak to this. I, I think the biggest thing now is just kind of figuring out Offensive lineman six, seven, eight. I think there's plenty of guys to fit that role. Who would you highlight as offensive lineman six, seven, eight to kind of help with the depth if nicks and bruises kind of happen? Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, in, I, I don't even know if it's in any particular order, but I know Samson right. Akin Lola, the five-star uh, offensive tackle Miami signs. Uh, Tommy Kinsler, who's still like, it's just absolutely, like his name just constantly comes up. And then I think I would go Matthew McCoy right now, who's a redshirt freshman tackle. So I guess, you know, and he's he's versatile. He can play both interior line and, and, and tackle as well. Three guys that I think they're, they're super excited about that are a part of their plans, uh, uh, you know, when when considering the future of the offensive line. Uh, Tommy Kinsler, man, I, it's it really is kind of absurd just how much positive feedback I get on him and just how they feel like he's, he's so, like, physically – kind of gifted you know the kind of the combination of of power and and mobility and and fluidity just the the way that he can kind of move his feet he's the biggest guy out there he's bigger than france i mean he's like almost like six seven uh so they're extremely excited about his just blend of where where would you put him i honestly think he could probably play i think he could probably play a tackle spot i think he could be a guard like i think he could play both but I think if one of these guys goes down, like I think that they're really going to have conversations about whether they first go to Tommy Kinsler or if they first go to Samson Akinlola. Because I do think that Tommy Kinsler right now, at this point of his development, I think they feel like he kind of just has more of that natural power where Samson's sure. still kind of developing, developing that power. Yeah. Like, you know, like especially in the, in like uh, the upper half, even the lower half, I think where they feel like Samson Akinlola has to grow the most is just in that strike that he, you know he's still kind of developing and learning that and he has everything else he's technically sound right. he has he's the frame he has the feet but yeah he's still getting stronger i think they feel like like tommy kinsler already has kind of that natural like you know mean streak of just going out and getting getting his like when he gets his hands on guys like he can move them around and he's not perfect i'm not saying he's like an all conference you know lineman here right now but i think i do think that there would be some serious like are we going to go Tommy or are we going to go Samson right now? And I do think so that six offensive line spot is probably a competition between those two guys. And then again, Matthew McCoy is probably that eighth who I know they're, they're really high on. And then, uh, you know, I think Jonathan Dennis is maybe a guy worth highlighting. Coach said that he might be available for game two or three um, on Monday. So I think Miami's backup center, if God forbid something ever happened to Matt Lee um, would be Jonathan Dennis. I still think it'd be Jalen rivers, but Dennis maybe. is a, yeah. Dennis is a guy, right? Yeah. To that would help have depth. Attention business owners. I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. ERCLawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. 
This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Defensive line. You know, I do really think Miami is going to have one of the best pass rushing defensive lines in the ACC. And I kind of want to say country, but let's, you know, that might be a little extreme. Uh, I think from a personnel on paper perspective, this group has the ability to rush the passer, obviously in, you know, pass rushing downs, like that goes without saying, but like on standard downs, I think they have the personnel to get after it on standard downs. When you look at what the base, like first team defensive line is going to look like, it's either going to be Akeem Mesador or Ruben Bain at one defensive end spot. Then you go Leonard Taylor, who we know has Twitch and can brush the passer. Branson Dean, who I think Lance Gidry feels like is their best pass rushing defensive tackle right now. And then you go Nigel Lee Kelly. So that's your standard down first team defensive lineman. I think if you get an offense in obvious passing situations, you start to maybe bring Jafari Harvey in as a defensive end. You can then kick Mesador and Bain inside, yeah, inside and keep Nigel Lee Kelly as the defensive end. And that's a really nice looking speed package oh, yeah. uh, to, to get quarterbacks with, you know, I think Jaden Wayne's coming along nicely. You look at the backup D tackle situation. I'm not sure if the depth is quite where it needs to be, but Jared Harrison Hunt and Ahmed, Ahmed Moten are, are serviceable. Um, you know, I, to me, the defense in general is just about, can you stop the run good enough and allow this defensive line to have its fair share of pass rushing opportunities? And again, that's the goal of almost every defense, right? But the strength of this defense is rushing the passer. And so they need to let these defensive linemen eat in those situations. Yeah. I mean, it's very easy to get excited about this group uh, just because of all, for all the reasons that, that you mentioned. And, and then you consider all the things that we haven't even really seen yet. And that's just the different looks that they're going to, that they're going to kind of, you know, show these guys. I mean, I think they, they could do some bare front stuff. Yeah. They're going to do, they're going to do movement. They're going to stunt like crazy uh, things that they haven't really shown us because one, we're not able to see it at practice and two, because they're not, they didn't put it out there at during the scrimmage either. And we still saw some movement and things like that, that made it, you know, kind of confusing, but I think we're going to just going to see a whole new level of what that defense actually looks like. And I think it's designed to create havoc. I mean, that's what Lance Gidry's defense is that Marshall did. Uh, they were very aggressive. Uh, you know, they created a lot of negative plays. And I think, you know, with this personnel that he kind of has with him now, um, you know, there's there's probably a ton of things that he can dial up to to make the most out of what then you to your point, what this defense, I think, is best at. And that is, you know, just rushing the passer and getting getting back there. So uh, I, I'm eager to see Lance Gidry kind of dial it up. And, uh, you know, he obviously has a good track record of of being, you know, disruptive. And I, I think that they have a chance to be, too, again. It's they got to stop. They got to stop the run first because you're not going to put yourself in those the, yourself in those types of situations if you can't stop the run. Um, but if I think if they do that, first and foremost, uh, you know, rushing the passer is, is going to be a lot of fun for these guys. Yeah, you have to earn the right to rush the passer. 
Uh, it's cliche, but it's true. So last year, Gabby, the, the advanced stats kind of showed Miami was a top 10 pass rushing defensive line. I think they were maybe 10th, but still top 10. I think they're going to be better uh, this year as a pass rushing defensive line. Would you push back on that? No, I think the personnel's way better. Um, just having Leonard Taylor even back with, you know, just as a I mean, bigger Branson guy. D Branson is a better Dean too. pass rusher than Daryl Jackson. For sure. Right? I mean, look what he did at Purdue, which again, you're talking about going up. You're talking about line of scrimmage play. I mean, the Big Ten is, you know, one of the very best. I mean, going up against all these different types of schools that have monster offensive lines. And Branson Dean was still one of the most disruptive interior yes. pass rushers in the country um with a ton collecting a ton of pressures from you know that spot and i think in the acc just at miami i think he's going to be i think he's going to be a treat you know I, I don't think again i don't think he has all those nfl prototypical size and you know all those measurables but i think what he does well he does really really well and i think it fits what miami wants to do linebacker uh i think francis francisco maui noah is your starting middle linebacker Weak side, you know, I asked Lance Gidry at the Monday press conference how that weak side competition was going. He didn't really want to give specifics, but I expect, I ex I think it's still somewhat of a competition with KJ Cloyd and Wesley Bassaint. I expect KJ to get the nod as the starter, uh, but again, I think I think we'll see plenty of Wesley Bassaint too, and. That, this is going to be a situation that is also kind of just based on performance, you know, particularly in this first month of the season. How does each player perform when they get in there? And then from that point on, once they settle into ACC play, I think they'll have their starter there set. Um, and again, I don't think they really play a factor for the defense this year, but internally, Gabby, they are content slash excited about the young freshman linebackers they have. They feel like they have a pretty good young group to develop here for the future. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that Derek Nicholson uh, is, is absolutely excited about that group. I mean, Marcellus Pulliam is a name that I think when Miami landed his commitment, it was kind of like, oh, cool, another linebacker really late in the process. But I think that he's absolutely, you know, surpassed expectations. I think Raul Aguirre, Aguirre however you say it, uh, you know, he's a, He's definitely been someone who's impressed too. just what he brings from a physicality standpoint. Malik Bryant is someone who's who's really good. You know, his expertise is rushing the passer and he's done that at, at, at an extremely high level since getting to Miami. So uh, a lot to be excited about with him and even Bobby Washington, who, you know, is a huge guy. I mean, six foot four. He's we, we saw him playing some nickel in the in the scrimmage like he's yeah, someone that could maybe be a, who could just be a star because he's like a you know again people suppose you know they talk about how fast he is i think he's already ran 20 we were i know i think it was back in the spring david we got like all those miles per hour sheets i think bobby washington was pretty high up there i know he's i think he's i think he runs in a straight line faster than his younger or well, his brother bobby uh, robbie washington who's a wide receiver um, so, uh, I think he could be like a big nickel star who could also kind of come back into the box and, and do things like that. So he's a versatile piece too, that I think Miami, uh, is excited about developing and bringing along as well. So yeah, there's a lot to be excited about with that young linebacker group. And, um, you know, again, even the, even guys that are still young, like Wesley Bassain, who they're extremely excited about and just going, but even going back to that weak side linebacker point, I mean, I think Wesley and KJ Cloyd are still going to 
battle it out. And again, I think that's one where, you know, what happens in the game and how those guys perform will ultimately determine, uh, you know, which way Miami goes there uh, over the course of the rest of the season. Yeah, performance will also play a big factor at corner. Again, they I think they have five five guys there that they feel good about at corner slash nickel. It would be Devontae Brown, who's probably cemented himself. But again, he's got to go out and perform too. He's the transfer from UCF. Then Damari Brown, his brother, the true freshman, has put himself to win a starting job. Daryl Porter, I think, has been solid to pretty good during yeah. fall camp and Jadis Richard brings a lot of length uh, to the, the cornerback position, a lot of physical upside. And then you have Jaden Davis, who's probably more of a nickel, but he plays a little bit on the outside too. And then to Corey couch, probably just a straight up nickel, probably the backup nickel. Um, but he is certainly experienced as well at Miami. If I was going to project what it looks like, against Miami of Ohio, I probably lean towards them starting uh, the veterans, Devontae Brown and Daryl Porter. But I do think Damari Brown's going to get plenty of opportunities to show what he can do at the college level, kind of get his feet wet and settled in as a true freshman and see how he handles you know, his targets because you know Miami of Ohio is going to go after a true freshman corner. Um but I think those are kind – the way I read it is those are your, like, top three outside corners. And then Jadis is going to get some time, too. And uh, Jaden Davis is, like, your nickel uh, for the most part. But that's how I view it. If I was predicting what the starting pair on the outside looks like at the end of the year, I would probably go the Brown brothers. Yeah, I, I think that's an extremely fair way to – to put it and I was going to get up uh, you did it for me so I don't have to do it as much but uh Daryl Porter is apparently having a very very good camp and uh I was going to come on here and say that like I know we've been talking about the Brown brothers as potential starters but I do think that the, that Daryl Porter is going to get the nod on the outside alongside uh Devonte Brown to start the season at least and I th- I don't think it's that Damari Brown has done anything to, you know, quote unquote, lose that or to not earn it. I also, I just don't think that they want to throw Damari Brown out there so soon. And, you know, he goes through maybe some of those lumps and then you kind of lose his confidence. I think they want to ease him in, um, definitely put him in, in positions where he could be successful, where he can kind of, you know, be challenged, but not have so much kind of on his plate so early. And again, if I'm thinking by the, by the end of the year, I absolutely think Damari Brown is someone who's going to get an opportunity uh, to be the regular starter or potentially get to the point where he is the regular starter. And again, I still expect him on the field, but uh, I do, uh, I think Miami's been honest, truly pleasantly surprised with how well Daryl Porter has been, has performed over the course of camp. And I do think, you know, as a veteran older guy, uh, you know, he's kind of earned the opportunity to kind of be on the outside there. So, um, you know, Daryl Porter is absolutely someone that I think is going to be a, a factor into this uh, cornerback equation, uh, especially early on in the year. And then Jaden Davis, like you said, uh, um, I think he's going to be the starting nickel. I think they're extremely excited about him. I think they feel like he's super reliable, super smart. And, uh, you know, is just going to do a great job there. And then uh, Jadis Richard, again, I think he's someone that it's kind of the ups and downs of just, uh, you know, just kind of maybe have just making sure he's doing what he needs to do um, all the time, every single time, you know, on the field. 
uh, you know, and I, I think when he's at his best, uh, he's probably the best one out there, you know, like whenever he's at his best, but it's just a, you know, I think it's just kind of still the ups and downs. And look, he's still a young guy. I mean, he's a true right. sophomore. Uh, it's not like he's an older veteran Miami brought in like this guy. This is a, this is still a defensive back that's developing and still growing as, as a player. And uh, again, I think they're still really excited about it. And I would still expect to see plenty of Jadis Richard as well. The thing I like the idea of with this cornerback group is I think, and look, we've talked about how maybe top end talent, they're not like they're starting to, isn't going to be what last year starting to was with Tyreek and DJ Ivy. You know, both guys got drafted in the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what I do like about this group is, you know, they're, they're solid talents. Like I don't think they're terrible, but I like the potential to mix and match from game to game uh, based on the personnel you're playing against at wide receiver. So if you're playing against a team that has a big, tall wide receiver or a couple of big, tall wide receivers, you have Devonte Brown, you have Jadis Richard, you have Damari Brown to match up against those guys. If you have, if you're playing an offense that, you know, has some five eleven, six foot quick shifty, you know, quick accelerator type of wide receivers, you know, you, you, I think you can kick Jaden Davis on the outside and play him there. I think then also you can go with Daryl Porter and he matches up better against those guys than maybe the big, tall wide receivers. So I think they have um, more answers to the personnel they might face week to week to week compared to last year. Look, last year's corners were good. But I think it's fair to say DJ and Tyreek struggled at times against quick, accelerating, speedy wide receivers. Um, I'm not saying Miami's cornerback talent this year, you know, can necessarily lock those types of guys down. But I do think they potentially have guys that match up a little bit better against those type of receivers. Would you push back on that? No, and I even think like even like the, like even when you have like the bigger guys on the outside, like you know even like a Johnny Wilson or someone of that caliber, like you have yeah. you have like a Jadis Richard who, you know, again, you, I think Jadis Richard is a is a, is a is a good matchup for a guy like Johnny Wilson, who's again Johnny Wilson's ridiculously tall, but Jadis Richard is still like you know six two and can run, and you know can it can kind of just be a big physical corner on the outside to kind of you know hang around a guy like that where he's not gonna you know, beat, he's not going to, you know, beat you with his legs. You just got to kind of go up. And so, yeah, I do think that they have a, a lot of different types of guys that you can kind of throw out that. And I don't think the room's perfect or close to it by any right, means. Right. Um, But I do think there's more versatility. And I think that that matters, especially as you're going through the course of a college football season yes. that, you know, you're going to see different types of guys and you're going to see different looks and different uh, styles of offense and I think when you can adjust to that best you can or when you have the personnel to kind of just you know kind of cut off whatever it's trying to do to you um, and adapt to it I think that's always a plus so uh, I I, w- I would agree and yeah I mean Tyreek Stevenson and DJ Ivy are cl- maybe clearly both that the best corn would be the best corners on this team like no doubt yes or of this group we're talking about but I think that ability to adjust is is really big and important The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. 
one of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text Star today at 561-573-4661. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at torreslionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. Safety, uh, you know, Cam Kitchens and James Williams are your top two. Uh, Miami needs to hope for good injury luck. I think they're uh, the third safety, still kind of a situation with Markeith and Jaden Harris. You know, I don't know what to say there other than like, just got to hope that Camp Kitchens and James Williams, number one, I think they got to take the next step this year. They had, they both were, were, had good seasons last year, specifically Cam was, was good. Um, but I still think both guys need to take that next step here in 2023. And so to me, that's where my focus is them taking the next step, them staying healthy. And then hopefully you don't have to think about the third safety. Yeah. I think that would be best case scenario is not having to think about the third safety. Um, look, I think Cam Kitchens and James Williams both have NFL aspirations. Uh, I think both of them are in positions to elevate their stock. Uh, this season. And I think both of them, uh, you know, I think are approaching this season as potentially their final one in college. So I think that, uh, you know, I think it, to see elevated play from both of those guys would be huge, uh, continuing to see that kind of growth and, and development, uh, you know, especially really from James, uh, you know, get just from a physicality standpoint for him, you know, just some of those maybe mistakes that he makes that leads to penalties, like just things that you can clean up about James Williams' game. Like, I think if we get a better version of James Williams and a better version of Cam Kitchens and those guys can stay healthy, that is like obvious. I mean, obviously, that's the best case scenario. But I think that that's sort of where Miami's at. It's like we need to pre- we need to keep these guys healthy and we need them to be at their absolute best. Like that is one position, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where Miami can't really afford to get uh, very deep into, uh, you know, the rotation and uh, really not deep at all. Like, I don't know how much even one guy uh, you're just how significant the drop off would be if even one of them wasn't on the field for whatever reason. Uh, so that's a that that's a big, big spot. And again, hopefully these two uh, just continue to play at a high level. And uh, again, both of them are probably gonna be off to the NFL if they if if that's what happens. So uh, I, I think that that would be a good thing for Miami from a recruiting standpoint of just attracting more talent to the safety room so that they can, you know, continue to build that thing up. Final regular season record prediction. Um, you know, I, I don't know if this is going to be a shock. I think we've even said this is where we are at after maybe the first scrimmage when we got to watch it. Yeah. But for me, Gabby, I, I'm, I'm landing on eight and four. 
uh, win the games you're supposed to win, be much more competitive in the games you lose. And to me, eight and four, a competitive eight and four, an eight and four where it's clear that you're taking steps where you yeah. need to take steps allows you to sign a top 10 recruiting class. To me, that's what this year's all about. Keep stacking that talent win enough to, that allows you to stack that talent. And next year to me, it's time to win nine or 10 games. Yeah. And then in 2025, your roster, there's no excuses. Your roster should be um, high level top 10 roster in the country. And then it's time to legitimately compete for championships. But anyways, yeah. this year, eight and four is what my regular season record prediction would be. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, same eight and four has always kind of been where my mind's at. Uh, I think that you have to win eight games. I think that's, you know, even just combing through the schedule, I uh, I think eight and four is is very reasonable. Um, I think it's, you know, again, I, I think it's all about how you look in that eight and four season too. Like, you don't like you win the games you're supposed to win, but you also can't get blown out in the games that, you know, you lose. You you got to be, it, it's about being competitive. It's about showing that, hey, we're not there yet. And we still have a way to go, but we're going to where we're telling you that we're going as again, when it comes to the recruits and attracting that top end talent and, and look, we're, we're not, maybe we're not there to beat you know, Clemson yet We're we're still, but look, we were 10, we're 10 points away rather than being, you know, 24 points away. And you can help us, you know, make up those 10 points to kind of be where, you know, we need to get to like, like it, it needs to be a, uh, it needs to be a strong competitive eight and four uh, where again, those games that you, that you, that you need to win, that you are scheduled to win. Those need to be wins. Uh, maybe try to sneak out one of those, you know, big games that you can possibly, you're one of those toss up games that ha- kind of has to go your way. But I do think eight and four is where this thing ultimately lands. Um, and I think that that would be fine as long as again, it, it looks the way it's supposed to look. All right, let's get out of here on this. Recruiting minute, five-star defensive tackle David Stone at an IMG Academy on Saturday picked Oklahoma over Miami. Um, I think it's fair, Gabby, to peel back the curtain here. We thought that day he was picking Miami. And after the fact, he gave an interview uh, to Brian Doan of the 24-7 Sports Network, who was at the game up in New Jersey, that that was the case, that he was set to pick Miami, his family approved of it, and a few hours before the start of the game, he talked to Oklahoma coach, defensive tackle coach, Coach Bates, and uh, he decided to go with Oklahoma. And I think if you watch the commitment, I think you could tell his family was a little blindsided by the, the live development that happened before them with picking Oklahoma. Um, so share with, share with the audience kind of what the approach is now for Miami with number one, David Stone and just defensive tackle position in general in recruiting. Yeah. Uh, I, I think first of all, I mean, again, I, I think I was at a point where I did think that David Stone was going to pick Miami. Um, again, I think that there was internal optimism that he was going to pick them. Um, but that obviously changed late in the day and that was super disappointing, but look, I mean, obviously, you know, turning the page, he he picked Oklahoma. It is what it is. And uh, really, honestly, I, I, I like Sunday, it was kind of quiet. But I think Monday, there was kind of like a, a renewed energy around that recruitment. I know Miami and David Stone have talked. 
And look, a top priority for them along the defensive line is still going to be David Stone. They still plan to recruit him until the very end. And look, I, I think that they still feel like they have legs in that recruitment. Again, it, it narrowly went their way. I mean, this is marginally uh, a, a hat selection, uh, you know, to Oklahoma in that moment. But I still think Miami feels like they very much have a seat at the table and that they're still in that and that, again, they're, they're, the lines are still open and David Stone still answering Miami's calls. Um, all those things that you kind of need to happen. And there's still four months until signing day. So um, my first and foremost, it's still David Stone at the forefront of the process. But other names that I think Miami fans need to kind of be aware of, uh, LJ McCray out of Daytona Beach mainland uh, is, is a name that they've really had at the top of the board the whole time. I mean, they, we've talked on this podcast about how much Miami loves LJ McCray. Uh, I think when you're when they're projecting, you know, down the line to the future, maybe it, it might even be as far as like the NFL or maybe late college years. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that feel like LJ McCray has as high of a ceiling or even higher than any defensive lineman in this class. Uh, you know, David Stone included because he is just so big and so long and still kind of so raw. And uh, I think Miami feels like they are truly in that recruitment. I don't think they feel like they're at on the outside looking in there the way that it might be perceived nationally. I think that they think like the way that it was relayed to me is that they're way more in that recruitment than I think people just give them credit for. So Miami's absolutely working in that LJ McCray recruitment. Uh, Aiden Breland, uh, the five-star defensive tackle out of uh, Matter Day, uh, in Southern California is still a prospect that they're communicating with that they would like to have in this class as well. Uh, so Aiden Breland is still very much a part of what they're trying to do along the defensive line. And then I think another big part of it is just holding on to Artavius Jones. Uh, you know, he plays his, his high school football just about an hour away from Florida state's campus. And uh, Miami knows that holding on to him is going to be a process and that this recruit and, but they're recruiting Artavius Jones. Like he's an uncommitted player, you know, they're recruiting him. Like he's like, he's like, you know, just like, he's a, a, a guy that is not committed to them. That's how that's kind of like the approach they're taking. Same thing to David about David stone, kind of just going back to that. Like they basically told me that we're recruiting the same David stone, the same way today, you know, Sunday as we would have been had he even committed to us. Like these guys just don't stop. There's definitely that battle mentality of just not kind of quitting and not just being like, Oh, like, you know, this guy committed somewhere else. Like we got to kind of move on. Like they're just going to continue to chip away there. Uh, Also, I think of note, uh, Miami offered a defensive tackle out of Ohio, Francis Brewer, a brew. uh, He's committed to, to Pittsburgh. So committed to Charlie Partridge and the Panthers, I believe in March of this year. Uh, he's gotten some other offers. I think Michigan State offered over the summer, uh, took some visits, but, you know, kind of held strong to that Pittsburgh commitment. Uh, Miami, he, he's another one Miami is very excited about, and I think he's a part of their plans at defensive tackle as well, uh, you know, at this stage of the process. So uh, that's basically, you know, really the plan at defensive tackle. Go all in on David Stone, all in on uh, LJ McCray, Aiden Breland, uh, hold on to Artavius Jones and uh, see if you can make up some ground on Pittsburgh for a guy that they identified and, and got committed early. All right, we'll get out of here on that. Again, game week is finally here. We will do a Miami of Ohio game preview type of podcast later in the week. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, looking forward to Friday night. And until next time, take care. <laughs>